Come on, everybody. Man, are you excited to be at church? Hey, look, it's good to see the real spiritual people in the house that are going to show up on the Sunday of spring break. All right? Like, it, so, hey, you know what? If you didn't know it was spring break, welcome to being an adult. All right? If you knew that it was spring break, I'm so happy that you get a week off. All right? And, and if you're wondering, how can I always have a spring break and I don't want to be a teacher, become a pastor. Because I get to go on a retreat even though I'm 40 years old with a bunch of college students. I think we leave. When do y'all leave? Today? They leave tomorrow. As you can tell, details are my thing, all right? Uh, well, if you've been tracking with us uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, what we've been doing is we've been in a series that we called Hey Siri um, because we're asking the question, where do we turn in the middle of the big questions that come up in life? Where do I go? Because big questions are going to come at us, big questions are going to come from within us. So where do we turn? And look, and we've just stated the obvious. Siri can be super, super helpful when you're fact-checking your overly confident children. Siri can be super, super helpful when you are having to homeschool your kids and your kids are in public school for a daggum reason. Can I get an amen? <laughs> when my children are asking me questions because of, of what do they call it now, distance learning or whatever it is, I just call it pain. They're asking me questions about fifth grade science, okay? And I'm like, are you speaking English? I have needed Siri to help me explain things that I don't believe I ever learned. <laughs> Siri can be helpful, right? But what we said week in and week out is that Siri is a tool. Siri is not an authority. Siri is a tool. It is not a filter. It is not a theologian. It is not going to cipher for you what is right and wrong and is not going to lead you always into truth. It's just going to lead you into information. And so we have to know in our information-rich age, where then do we turn when we find ourselves asking questions that we don't know the answer to? And so what we have found is that we have to turn away from the godless chatter and the opposing thoughts that falsely call themselves knowledge, to quote the Bible, and we have to turn to the authority and the inherency of the Word of God. And so it doesn't matter if we're asking the question, what do I do now? It doesn't matter if we're asking the question, how am I supposed to function, or dare I say, what am I supposed to believe in the middle of the sexual revolution that is happening in culture? We don't turn or bend towards the tensions of the earth. We bend and lean towards the intentions of heaven. Our authority is the word of God. The Bible always wins. Can I get an amen? The Bible always wins. The Bible is going to win in culture, and the Bible is going to win in your life. And 1 Timothy 6 has been kind of our anchor passage that's been carrying us along this journey together. And this is what it says. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. 
They have an unhealthy interest in controversies, in quarrels about words that insults and envy, strife, malice, talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. And then we have jumped down into verse 20, and this is what it says, Timothy, guard what you have been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas that falsely call themselves knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from their faith. In the fog of culture, we have to turn away from the godless chatter, the opposing ideas that falsely call themselves knowledge and turns towards the authority of Scripture. The question that I want us to lean into today is, what do I do with my mind? What do I do with my mind? Now, look, let's just get real for a minute. Anybody in the house feel like at times that your mind is running away from you? Right? Anybody else feel like your, your mind has a tendency to race towards what ifs? Well, what happens? The, the who am I's, the what does this mean's? Yeah, at times for me, it, it seems like my mind has a mind of its own. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah, yeah. And my mind can keep me up at night thinking about things I don't even want to think about. Yeah. Right? I don't understand why my mind has a connection to when I need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But it seems like when I wake up to go to the bathroom, I can't go back to sleep because my mind has a mind of its own. Anybody else? My goal for us today is for us all to take a step forward and a step towards cleaning out or clearing out the fog of our thoughts. Clearing out the fog of our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and our fears that have a tendency to race in our minds. And here's why. I want you to write this down. We all know because of the book of Revelations, I believe it's chapter 21, that note-taking is biblical. So I want you to write this down because I want you to remember this because this is going to help you. Your life is going to move in the direction of your loudest thought. Write that down. Your life is going to move in the direction of your loudest thought. Don't ever forget that there is a war for your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, this is what it says. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Your life will head in the direction of your loudest thought. So we have to turn our thoughts. Are you tracking with me? We have to turn our thoughts 
from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what falsely call themselves knowledge. That we're, we're not just turning away from the, the temperature of culture. We have to turn our minds from the opposing ideas and thoughts that we have about God that come from within our own mind. Because our life will go in the direction of our loudest thought. Now, before we dive into this any further, let me very clearly tell you what I am not saying. Can I, can I do this? Okay? This is what I am not saying. I am not saying that you just have to think positively. And then all the things that you want in life will just fall from the sky because you're talking about it as if you already have it. That's not what I'm saying. Biblically, thinking rightly is about not allowing things that we think that don't line up with who God is and what is true about our lives in light of what God has done to have any room in us. That's what thinking rightly is. It's not about us dream, dreaming about all the things that we wish we had and then just like, then they just start happening in our lives. They just start like falling from the sky. Look, I remember in college really encountering somebody who bought into this self-help idea of you start saying it and then you're going to start seeing it. Now, look, listen, this idea in and of itself is not all bad, but the world is filled with biblical truths that have been tweaked and manipulated off a millimeter that just feels small today but leads you eight miles down the road tomorrow. And so there, there can be half-truths and partial truths in concepts that we encounter in the world. But if we don't make sure that we are guarding our mind and turning away from the opposing views and the, and the false knowledge, then we can be led into a thought process that feels right but biblically is not fully right. And I remember this girl in my, in my quantitative business statistics class. Yeah, go ahead with yourself. All right? Made a B in that class. Go ahead now. What's up? Yeah, yeah. So in my business statistics class, which, by the way, I love business statistics. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was super, super fun. All right? Now, I had a rule in college, always sit in the front row. That was my rule. If you're a student, sit in the front row. Look your professor in the eyes. Because if you need that one point at the end of the semester... All right, that front row matters, okay? If you're just like a blip in the back of the auditorium, I'm trying to help some people this morning. If you're just a blip in the back of the auditorium and you're going like, yo, dude, I'm like right on the line and they haven't seen your eyes before, they haven't, they haven't talked to you before, it's, it's going to be harder for you, all right? So I'm on the front row of my quantitative business statistics class. I just like saying the title of it because I'm, I'm honestly impressed I took that class. And, and so I'm sitting on the front row, and we're getting back a test, right? My, 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 the, the teacher's aide is passing back a test that we had just taken the week before. And everybody's seeing their grades, you know, and the professor's not even in there yet. And, and you, the, mum, the, the, the mumbling starts. You, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody's talking about, what'd you get? Oh, I thought I And then all of a sudden, he starts getting towards the back of the class, the TA does, and, and he hands this girl this paper, and she, she starts celebrating so loudly that it captivates the entire room. 
Like within a minute, everyone is like turning around facing her because she's like, man, that's what I'm talking about. Man, this is a great grade. I can't believe this. I did it. This is amazing. Everyone's like, wow, she is like proud of herself. You know, and, and then it, it kind of went on for beyond just like the little the pat on the back. It, it got a, a long enough to where the person next to her looked at her paper. And I'm thankful for that dude because he says, yo, you got a 60. And the whole class is now, you know, like we're watching a movie now. You know, I mean, it's like this is we got some action. He's like, why are you excited about a 60? And she goes, well, I read this book that said if I start saying that I'm passing, that I'm going to start passing. Now, I remember, look, I'm 19 years old. I don't know nothing, right? I'm sitting on the front row, 19 years old. My 19-year-old mind, I go, nah, girl. If you start studying, <laughs> you'll start passing. <laughs> Look, thinking rightly does not replace personal responsibility. Right? That, that's not what thinking rightly is. Thinking rightly is removing the lies and the things that we've allowed to settle in our mind that pull us away from our purpose. Thinking rightly is not about getting more. It's about seeing Jesus more. Are you hearing me? And so when, we, when we're knocking on the door of this idea that honestly has been stolen by bad theology and then we've left it alone, we, we steer away from it because we don't want to fall into the traps of it. But what I want us to understand is that God has a plan for your life and it starts with you understanding who he is in your mind because your life will go in the direction of your loudest thoughts. Romans 12.1 says it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. then. If you're at home watching, say then. Then, somebody is here watching at home. Thank you for making this your house. <laughs> Amen. That's how it should feel, all right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Did you catch that? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Write this down. The clearer I think, the clearer I will see. The clearer I think, the clearer I will see. This is huge because we're all in a season of wrestling through what do we do? Where do we go when we are faced with the big questions that come at us in life? Or at times, what do we do with the big questions that come from within us? in life. And before we get direction about where we need to go, it starts with us understanding that we have to have a new mind. 
If you find yourself in a place where you're wondering what's next for you, if you're, if you're asking the question, where do I go? Where am I supposed to land? The first thing we need to focus on is, am I thinking rightly? Am, have I been transformed? Is my mind new? Because a renewed mind can easily see the perfect will of God. Your life will go in the direction of your loudest thought. I want you to turn with me to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. And everybody in the house got fired up about the biblical excitement of the book of Numbers. Yeah. Get pumped up. Y'all know I get down to that Old Testament stuff. There's some good stuff in there. All right, don't be scared of it because you can't say the names. We're going to encounter a few names this morning that I can't say. But look, I'm just going to say them like I know how to say them. And you're going to believe me that that's how it should be said. Can we just have that agreement, okay? Numbers 13. If you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at Joshua 1 as we were asking that big question, where do we go from here? In that moment... In Joshua 1 was the moment where the people of God were in a place of transitioning from wandering to inheriting what God had for them. And in the middle of them in a transition, they also found themselves mourning the loss of their leader Moses, therefore amplifying the question, where do we go from here? And God clearly spoke to them through speaking to Joshua, and he said, I want you to go to the promised land, right? And we talked about when we're asking that big question of where do we go from here, the first thing that we do is we move towards heaven. We, we go towards heaven. If you don't know where to go, you go towards hope. You go towards peace. You go towards life. We go towards the promised land. And then God tells them through Joshua that I want you to remember the laws that I've given to you. He says, I want you to go to the promised land and I want you to remember and go towards the word of God. And in the confusion of their transition, we saw them encounter the truth of who God is and therefore the promise fulfilled that they would see victory even when they were facing opposition, chaos, and confusion. What's happening here in Numbers 13 is the 40 years before they entered the promised land. Numbers 13 is the moment where the people get eyes on the prize for the first time. As they have left Egypt, now they are stepping towards where God had given them the land that had been promised to them. And as they are standing literally on the doorstep of the land that they had been given by God, promised by God, Moses, their leader at the time, says this in Numbers 13, 18, see what the land is like. He gathers a few spies, a little Navy SEALs of the Israelites. He says, look, I want y'all to go in there and I want you to check some stuff out. And this is what he says. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or 
Many. Sounds like they're, they're trying to get some good intel, right? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns are they in? Are, are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? I understand that because I feel like my, my wife and I are looking at houses, like all she wants to look at is the trees, <laughs> right? Like what kind of trees, you know? Like that, I, I get that question. That, that probably was Moses' wife being like, tell him to check the trees. Do your best to bring back some fruit of the land. So then these spies, right, they go, they do their little scouting mission. Then they come back, verse 26, verse 26, 26, okay. That's next week. Come back next week. Numbers 13, verse 26, this is what it says. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. Here comes the names. You guys ready for this? Practiced. Here we are, at the desert of Paran. There they reported to them the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to whence you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Isn't that amazing that that's what they said first? The promised land, that God was going to give them a place that was so fruitful, that was so fertile, that was going to literally flow with milk and honey. And the first thing that they recount when they walked in the land for the first time, they're like, yo, it's true. It does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in Negev. The Hittites, the Jezebites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. Before Moses, and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who gone up, had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. Listen, your life will go in the direction of your loudest thoughts. And your thoughts are influenced by your past and your pain. Understand the groups of people that they listed, that they saw, that they feared, that stirred up such great terror within these spies had a history with the people of Israel. The Amalekites had bullied and attacked the people of God for years. So seeing them was a reminder of things that had happened to them. Your memories and your experiences will shape your thoughts. Undealt with pain, undealt with bitterness, undealt with fear in us creates places for strongholds to be built in us. Yeah. 
And a stronghold is a fortified place. It's a place that's built to withstand what comes at it. And if we don't renew our minds and allow God to heal us and transform us, what, was, what has happened to us or around us will always haunt us. Don't miss that. If we don't allow God to heal us, to restore us, to transform us, what has happened to us or what goes on in us will always haunt us. And this is what was happening to the spies. They didn't just see the promised land. They didn't just see that it flowed with milk and honey. They didn't just see that God did exactly what he said he was going to do. They didn't just see that God provided exactly what he said he was going to provide. They didn't just see that it was fruitful and beautiful and amazing. What they saw was the pain of their past. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that again. I can't deal with the Malachites again. No, no, no. I can't do that. And just like for us, it was for them. Your life goes in the direction of your loudest thought. Their loudest thought was fear. Their loudest thought was insecurity. Their loudest thought was God is really not with us or for us. And therefore, the promised land at the doorstep of the promised land. They turned from what God freely had given them and wandered. For 40 more years. Why? Because your life goes in the direction of your loudest thought. What we see playing out in Numbers 13 and then continuing on in Numbers 14 is the loudest thoughts of fear won the day. So we have to take our thoughts that are running through our mind, to quote 2 Corinthians 10, we have to take them captive. You know, that's, that's an aggressive word. We, we have to take them captive, and we have to do what with them? We have to make them obedient to Christ. We don't, look, we don't just need to turn away from godless chatter that we are hearing from around us. We got to turn away from the godless chatter that is coming from us. Look, and listen, we, we don't fight against opposing ideas that falsely call themselves knowledge by just trying to forget them. We fight them by replacing them. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. To take a thought captive, to make it obedient to Christ, we have to understand that it's not about not thinking about it. It's about changing what we think about. I've used this analogy a million times, forgive me, but it's too good. Teaching my children how to ride a bicycle. As soon as I point out that there is one tree, they will drive their bicycle into that tree. 100% of the time. Look, I remember... Look, my, my grandfather was a super handy guy, and so he, he turned his old riding lawnmower into like he took the blades off and made it kind of like a super fast go-kart. All right, that's how redneck we were, you know what I mean? When you're fired up about your lawnmower go-kart, baby, that's what I'm talking about. And we were driving, and there was, a, uh, there was a huge field across the street from my grandfather's house, and there was nothing in that field except one four-inch pole. That was the only thing. We're talking about acres of grass and one four-inch pole. And my cousin drove that go-kart redneck machine 
right into that one pole. And I remember, and he broke it. He wrecked it. It was over, man. It was like it, it, we couldn't get it to run again. And I was so mad at him. But the thing is, is that he was focused on it. When, you, when you're focused on it, eventually you're going to hit it. And so he's like, don't hit the pole, don't hit the pole, don't hit the pole, don't hit the pole, hit the pole. Right? This is what our thoughts do in our minds. We've got these bad, broken lies that we have allowed to take root within our hearts and our minds, and they become poles in our thought life. And we're like, dude, don't think about that. But it's just like, you're like, yo, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it. And then all of a sudden, that's all you're thinking about. That's not how you take a thought captive. How you take a thought captive is you're like, I'm going to dig that pole out. I'm going to get the pole out the field. It's replacing it. It's not trying to ignore it. It's not being like, yo, man, dude, don't think about that lustful thought. Don't think about that lustful thought. Yo, don't think about that. Don't think about that I married the wrong person. Don't think about it. Remove it. Take it captive. Look, we can't be passive about our mind because your life will go in the direction of your loudest thought. Listen to Psalms 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise and among the festivals of the throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? You hearing this? Dig up the bad thoughts. Talk to yourself. Why is that pole still stuck in your mind? Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember from the land of Jordan to the heights of Hermon, from the Mount of Mizar, deep calls to deep and the roar of the waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. Are you seeing that they're not trying to not think about how depressed they are? They're starting to think about the God who is worthy of their worship. He doesn't even, t- he's like, look, I don't even understand why you're so depressed, soul. I don't even get it because the deep calls out to deep. And God is with me. And every time you make that choice to not allow that seed of isolation, that seed of fear, that seed of depression, that seed of loneliness. Every time you don't allow that seed and you dig up the soul around it, you're like, you know what I'm going to put in place of that little plant? I'm going to put hope in that place. And I'm going to see my mind made new, transformed. We replace what we are thinking and feeling that is not true with the truth of who 
God is. So listen to me. Can I make this real personal and a little bit uncomfortable? Look, my dad called me last week. He was like, yo, I was nervous for you last week. If you weren't here last week, listen to the sermon. It will probably make you nervous too. But here's the truth. We can't allow lies that have become common to just fester within our minds. The kingdom of heaven is at stake. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, it, our culture needs us to live from a different place, to live from a renewed place. My pants are too tight. My pocket's coming out. Dad, gummit. I need to go on keto. <laughs> Listen to me. If this lie fits, I want you to, to realize that it's stealing from you. And then we're going to deal with it in a minute. God, you have forgotten me. That this is a lie that can seed itself in difficulty. And I can basically just guess that in some way, shape, or form, you have encountered difficulty in your life. And our flesh cries out, God, why did you leave me whenever we hit hard things? But that is a lie because God has not forsaken you. But as soon as you allow that to take root within you, that thought will haunt you. Here's another one. God, you made me jacked up. You screwed up when you made me. Man, we all have brokenness and things that we're working through, but somehow in the sovereignty and the divine nature of God, he's made a way for us all to be restored into something beautiful. So for you cursing yourself because you don't like you, you're, 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 giving him, you're giving the enemy a doorstep into building a stronghold into your life. And that thought will haunt you. God, I married the wrong person. Don't look at nobody right now. Just look at me. <laughs> Just look right at me. Okay. I know that y'all didn't think that, all right? I'm just saying it for other people. You hit, a, you hit a hard part in your marriage. You know what? Maybe I married the wrong person. Marriage shouldn't be this hard. God, my attraction is going in the wrong direction. And it's too much for me. My anxiety about my future is overwhelming me. We have to take these thoughts that are racing through our minds captive. We have to say, stop by replacing them with truth. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. There is nothing that we encounter on this earth 
that is too big for him, no thought that is too scary, no temptation that is too strong. Am I talking to anybody? We have to take the fight to our thoughts. What you think does not have to lead you into a place that you don't want to go. Can I say that again? This is going to help somebody. What you think does not have to take you into a place that you don't want to go. You don't have to think that when you have a thought that you're destined in the direction of that thought. No, no, no. James 1. Let me throw some Bible at you. James 1 verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God can't be tempted by, by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But listen to this. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after you're dragged away, after you chase that thought, after you let that thing take root within your mind, then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Can you see that we can stop the broken thoughts that are in us, the evil temptations that are driving us before it drives us into sin? Because you are going to think all kinds of things, okay? You're going to have all kinds of thoughts in all kinds of direction. But when those thoughts that attack us at times and, and, and when those thoughts start chasing us at times and when those thoughts are running through our minds at times, we have to understand that we can find a place in Jesus where those thoughts don't control us because we're not focusing on what's broken. We're replacing it with what's true. So listen, some of you are freaking out about how jacked up your mind is. It should be jacked up because we're all jacked up. Stop focusing on what's broken and start focusing on what's true. Stop trying to not be anxious and start just trusting in Jesus who gives you what you need. Stop, try, stop trying to not be depressed and just start looking at the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. Stop trying to, to stop being attracted to the same sex and say, you know what? There's something better over here that's just worth everything that I have. And so my thoughts and my temptation is not going to give birth to sin because I'm going to stop it and I'm going to replace the lies that are coming at me and the deception that is coming from within me and I'm going to replace it with the truth of who God is. Do me a favor. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to end our time today by reading over you a passage of Scripture, Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. And this is my prayer. This is my declaration for all of us as we begin our journey to take our minds back. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God, allow us to take our thoughts captive. God, allow us to see the glory of God get bigger than our racing thoughts. God, replace our racing minds with the truth of who you are, that we would not be anxious about anything, God, but we would come to you with prayer and thanksgiving and understand that your peace transcends who we even understand ourselves to be and that you will guard our hearts. That's right. You will guard us. You will protect us. You will put angels around us. You will surround us. You will fill us with your loving kindness because, God, it is 